0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. We are almost approaching the conference finals in each conference. Still some things to be said about that, but the season is moving right along. Before we know it, we're going to be in the NBA finals. uh, And after that, it's open season. It's the draft. It's free agency. It's when this podcast thrives with transactions. Uh, But before that, we're going to bring on the co-host, the man, the lover, the guy who goes on dates, pre-pandemic, possibly post-pandemic. Sam Quinn, I know you enjoyed that intro.
1: I did enjoy that in- intro. We just talked for 20 minutes off air about our love lives. So I guess that's what we're doing. We're just bringing our personal lives into the podcast now.
0: Let's give the people I am not what they seeing want.
1: anybody listeners, by the way, if anybody knows anybody.
0: But you also don't enjoy being set up, as no. I've heard.
1: Um, I, somebody in my life tried to set me up today. I'm not going to get too specific, but it's not really my thing. So if you're going to try, it's one of those things where it's like, you come at the king, you best not miss. Like, you try this with me, you better get it right, because if you get it wrong, I'm not going to be too happy.
0: You've heard it. Out there, anyone interested, single and ready to mingle.
1: Listen, we host a very popular podcast. Tens of people listen to us talk about basketball trades every, I don't even want to say every week. We, we do this sometimes. Uh, the point is, I'm a catch, so keep that in mind when you're coming up with dates for me.
0: Tens of listeners, ones of comments. We're just crushing it right now. Uh, but anyway, speaking of relationships, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers, they, they have a little, a little fraying going on right now. I wouldn't say it's fractured. I would say there's some fraying. Um, obviously, let's just preface everything we're going to talk about with we have no inside information. We don't know if Damian Lillard wants out. All we know is that he had that weird Instagram post where he said, you know, kind of basically how long am I going to continue to be loyal? Um, the coach has been fired. The coach that he wanted withdrew his name. So we have no idea what's going on, on with the Blazers. It, yeah, well, we got be more. be
1: honest about what really happened there. The Blazers said to him, like, we're not reporting anything. We're just using common sense because Jason Kidd was a terrible NBA coach who has some off-court stuff that we won't get into now, but let's just say isn't very good. What we can pretty safely say happened is the Blazers went to Jason Kidd and said, we're not hiring you, but we'll let you withdraw your name and hold on to a little bit of grace in this situation. That's what happened. Uh,
0: that's one theory. Another theory is that he wants to coach the Celtics or another team that what has an opening.
1: we report earlier this week where he lists all of the assistants that are interviewing for that job. Jason Kidd was not on that list. So I've heard there's a conspiracy on Lakers Twitter that says that Jason Kidd is still trying to take over the Lakers job from Frank Vogel. Good Ooh. luck if that's the case. I do not think that's going to happen. But really, what I think is going on here is that nobody wants to hire Jason Kidd because nobody should want to hire Jason Kidd.
0: In any case, we have no idea what's going on with the Blazers. One thing is clear their team, as currently constructed, is not championship material. Um, I, you know, for one, was pretty hopeful after the moves they made last offseason, bringing in Covington. And Derek Jones Jr. kind of beefing up their wing rotation a little bit. Um, I thought it would help their defense. I was 100% wrong. They're a horrendous defensive team. And that was never more clear than in the playoffs against the shorthanded Nuggets. Uh, So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Damian Lillard might, depending on what they do this offseason, look at that team and say, look, I'm in my prime. I need to go to a contender. This team is not it, is not going to win a championship during my prime. So I want out. So if that's the case, let's make some fake trades.
1: Well, can I throw this out to you from the Portland side of things? We keep hearing like, oh, they want to hire Mike D'Antoni. They want to hire this experienced coach. Like they want to try to make the defense work. We saw Neil O'Shea's really, really ridiculous press conference where he basically like Blame Terry Stotts for the kidnapping the Lindbergh baby.
0: Like, that was so weird. That was such an odd thing to happen.
1: I, I like. Was he gonna call Judas at a certain point if they left? <laughs> Jesus, Neil. Like he really. He comes out and basically says, "This was not on me. This was not on the players. We basically. He had a bad coach, and that was what was wrong with him.
0: Yeah, I gave us a winning roster.
1: Well, as you know, like Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor clearly defensive stoppers as your backcourt or your backup front court rather like Jesus Neil, like take a shred of responsibility here. But here's my point. That team is so far away from contention. Why do we have to go through the charade where they hire Mike D'Antoni or they hire Mike Budenholzer or they hire whatever big name coach and they pretend, no, no, this is going to be okay. when all that's going to do is make Dame a year older and a year less valuable from a trade perspective. Why can't teams ever just admit to themselves this isn't working? Let's get out ahead of it.
0: I think it's just, well, one, I think the general manager knows that he won't be around for that rebuild. If, if that's but, what they end up doing. Well, <laughs> let me
1: counter. If Neil makes the Damian Lillard trade, it's not like ownership is going to fire him the day after that trade, right? Like they're going to give it a year. Maybe the assets you get in that trade look good. And they're like, Oh, okay. Like we, we might be onto something now. Like, that's my overall point. I just think if you have to wait until a player makes a trade demand, it's already too late.
0: I, I I so I think I agree with that. And I think you know how different is the Portland situation looking if they don't kind of get to that Western Conference Finals a couple of seasons ago. Like They'd be that's gone how, by now. that's what they hang their hat on, right? Stotts would be gone, Shea might be gone, Dame, you know, CJ McCollum might be gone, whatever. But I think hey, we were right there. You know, we were so close. When in reality, they were not close at all.
1: Well, there are two things I want to talk about before we get into specific big traits. The first one is, people don't remember this because, I mean, give credit where it's too. Damien Lillard has done such a good job of cultivating this image of himself as somebody who's hyper-loyal and would never, ever want to leave Portland. Remember a few years ago when he met with Paul Allen before Paul Allen died and apparently, like, talked about the direction of the franchise and was very upset that they had given up Will Barton. Like, do you remember that? There was a moment where like three, four years ago, this was sort of in the ether, but then they make that run to the Western Conference Finals and it sort of made everybody forget. Now, I think the, the team took that run a little too seriously because as we know, they only made the Western Conference Finals because they were on the JV side of the bracket, right? Like the Warriors and the Rockets get thrown into the Thunderdome in the second round. And then Portland just kind of gets to skate on through and play Denver in their first playoff appearance with Jokic in the second round. Like, that's what happened. They got swept by the Warriors without Durant for a reason. It's because they weren't a Final Four caliber team. The other thing I want to throw out, well, this is sort of complicated because we don't know how close they came on any of these things. I got into an argument on Twitter this week about Neil Olshay's record as a GM. I don't think it's quite as bad as Portland fans would have you believe. The thing I want to throw out there, though, is that they've just never had enough ambition, right? Like, Paul George is out there. They don't trade for him. The Thunder do. Kawhi Leonard is out there. The Raptors trade for him. They win a championship. Like, there were moments where they probably could have said, you know, look, we have a good thing with Dame and CJ. Let's offer CJ and, like, really go for it. But they never did. And if you look at the moves that they've made over the last, I don't know, five years, it was always basically just like, Let's add this role player. Like, let's add this guy who can be a good bench point guard for us or whatever. Like, their biggest addition since McCollum, I mean, Robert Covington, sure, but like Evan Turner getting that $70 million contract basically to be their third ball handler. This team has shown no ambition whatsoever in the way that it's been built. That's sort of the thing that gets me here, right? Like, I hate to say that they can't build a contender around Dame. They haven't even really tried.
0: Well, I think, you know, you bring up the point and I think they really thought that the Dame CJ McCollum thing was going to work. Like if we can get the right pieces around them, we don't need to trade CJ for Paul George or whatever. Uh, We can build a roster around these two guys, these two very prolific scoring, uh, very unique backcourt. We can beef up our defense in other ways. Um, I'm sure they thought Zach Collins was going to be you know, a bigger part of this team. He's been injured basically the last two seasons. Uh, I think they thought Anthony Simons is going to develop a little faster than he has. Not that he's bad, but he's certainly not ready to contribute on a championship team in any meaningful way. Um, but ultimately, you have to make that decision, right? And it's it's do we break up this core that we know works, we know is going to be successful in the regular season, get us into the playoffs uh, at a relatively high seed every single year, um, and then there's going to be questions in the playoffs, or do you mortgage that, go all in on something that, that might not work? I mean, say they get Paul George, and he ends up being, you know, pandemic P, but in Portland, and they end up losing in the first round anyway. Now you're getting rid of C.J. McCollum, and everybody's well, like, why did we get rid of C.J. McCollum? Hang on, hang on,
1: hang on. If they had made the Paul George trade, you know who they'd have right now? They'd have Shea Gildas-Alexander and a billion first-round picks.
0: Well, uh, I mean, that's assuming that that they would have done that.
1: I'm just saying that's where I think they'd end up. Like what I think would have happened if they hadn't made a real run with Damon George is they would have ended up trading him to the Clippers because he would have wanted out the same way. I think the Kawhi situation is fascinating, right? Like if the Raptors can win a championship with Kawhi, like why can't the Blazers? If they had had Lillard and Kawhi and run into the Warriors without Durant, they could have beaten them, right?
0: What's the I mean, I have to go back, but like, what's the offer? What's the offer?
1: So, the trade that the Raptors made was DeMar and Pirtle for Danny Green and Kawhi, and there was one first round pick in there. Would it be so far fetched for the Blazers to have said CJ, Zach Collins, and a first round pick for Kawhi and Danny Green? Like, that's about the same value, right?
0: I mean, I think now, I think back then, maybe DeMar was a little bit more highly regarded. Um, I think
1: CJ was too. The only like the difference between them was that Demar was in the East. So he made the all-star team a bunch of times.
0: This was also before CJ started shooting as many threes as he does now. And it was also when DeMar's lack of three-point shooting wasn't quite as detrimental to a team. So, I mean, it's, it's close. I mean, depending on what kind of other package you can put in, it's definitely close.
1: I think they could have pulled it off, especially because CJ was younger at the time. That's just my personal opinion. We, as far as we know, that was never offered. It never seemed like Portland was in it. But my point was, there were inflection points where they could have really gone all in and like really tried to make an active decision to build a championship roster. And what they always did was, no, we're good. We'll just use our mid-level exception and add like a six-man.
0: Yeah, and I think they thought the Covington trade was going to be kind of a push over the top and that looks like a misstep in hindsight.
1: I think the trade itself was fine. It's just he wasn't enough. That's the thing, right? Like Robert Covington, I think he's a little like Draymond in that he is the better your defense around him is, the better he's going to be, right? Because he's not a great man defender. His value comes in what he's doing off the ball as a helper. But if everybody's getting beaten, like, sure, he can cover up some holes, but he can't cover up an entire defense.
0: There's also the uh, Reddit theory that you pointed out that, Sometimes people trade for Robert Covington just to get their coach fired. So
1: So, this is the last three teams that have traded for Robert Covington have not fired their coach for those keeping track. I have Robert Covington in some of the fake trades we're going to talk about today. So just get ready, coaches. You're going to lose your job.
0: Yeah, poor guys. So speaking of fake trades, you want to get into this? It's just going to be a a dama palooza. We're just going to. Fire off, Dame. Yeah, trade. I have
1: seven trades in front of me. I know you have a couple as well. Um, yeah, I don't first? have
0: seven. You overachiever.
1: You want to go first, or should I? Uh,
0: why don't I go first? I'll just. Okay. I'll just start with the basic structure that I think a lot of people will probably be thinking about. This is uh, a team that is in desperate need of a guard, playmaker, scorer, whatever, and uh, a team that is always in trade rumors and a guy that is always in trade rumors. So. Uh, some sort of iteration of Lillard to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. I don't know if you have to throw in a first, you have to throw in Sheik Milton, whatever you need to do. Uh,
1: I think it's more first, but I think you're on the right track.
0: Right. I, I mean, you know, play with whatever you need to play with. But um, I think that's the probably the first trade that's going to come to most people's minds if Damian Lillard decides he wants to go to a contender.
1: Yeah, and I think we both like the fit of what Portland would have if they made that trade, right? Like, if you have Simmons and CJ, who's like kind of the perfect complement to him, you can play five out and just say, we are going to build around Simmons's speed. We're going to play a lot in transition. We're going to put shooting around him. We can kind of maybe not have him function as a center on defense, but like, you know, have him guard one through fours. Maybe you switch more. I think that would be a situation where they wouldn't have to go in the tank if they did that. And then obviously for Philly like you have Lillard and Embiid that's it you're a contender it's that simple Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's it's also like you said like it, it's a way for Portland to say look we're not punting uh we're not rebuilding we are still going to be competitive it it, it is clearly a defensive move uh for one of the worst defensive teams in the league you lose a <laughs> a whole lot of offense with Lillard leaving um but at least you can sell it as hey look we're we're helping our defense CJ um, is going to take on a bigger role on offense and we'll see what happens
1: so i have an expansion to this trade Ooh! i have this as a three-team trade oh boy so my theory here is the blazers don't want to tank but if they're making this trade they probably want to get a little bit younger right
0: match up with simmons's timeline
1: right like you're essentially building around simmons at this point philly if you're making this trade for lillard you don't really have much use for seth, seth curry right like it's nice to have extra shooting, but you'd probably rather, rather turn him into a defender. So here's what I'm going to offer you fair. Robert Covington is going to go with Lillard back to Philly. Obviously, Covington, I don't know if he started his career there, but he certainly like that's where he made his name. So Covington goes to Philly. Seth Curry goes to the Lakers. And you guys, you Kuzma,
0: always got to get the Lakers. Yes,
1: involved. And Kyle Kuzma goes to the Blazers. What do you think about that?
0: Kyle Kuzma is now a trade piece to bring defense to your team. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
1: Well, it's not so much that he brings defense, so much as you're getting a younger piece here, right? Like Kyle Kuzma is 25. He's on Ben Simmons' timeline. And plus, let's not forget, two years ago, in his second year in the NBA, he averaged 17 points a game. Like this is somebody who over the last two seasons has really scaled back his offense for the sake of the team. He's become a significantly better defender. He's an awesome rebounder. Like, he's kind of become a winning player over the last couple of years, but he's done it without having to get a lot of shots. We know that he can score a lot of points if you give him enough shots. Portland could give him those shots. So you get all of it in one, right? You get the scoring, but you also get the defense and the rebounding and the IQ and all the other stuff that's developed over the last few years.
0: So you're looking at uh... – Simmons McCollum. If you decide to keep him Kuzma, Norm Powell ish.
1: I you can't, you can't let Powell go for free. You got to resign him. Right. So that's kind of your core. Yeah. And I mean, if I were them personally, I'd probably like start Ben Simmons at center and switch everything. Right. That's how you play with that group.
0: What about Nurk? Nurk out. He's already said that he doesn't doesn't know what his future in Portland is.
1: Nurk has done everything short of saying he wants out. Like he, he's, I think he wants a new situation. I don't think it really makes sense to play Nurk with Simmons, right? Like, Nurk sort of occupies similar spaces on the floor and does similar things. I'll be at a much worse level than Joel Embiid does. Like, he's got a little bit of that mid-range jumper. He's kind of a bully ball guy. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna play with Ben Simmons, if you're gonna get him a traditional center, he's either got to be an awesome, awesome role man or he's got to be able to shoot a little bit.
0: Right, and I think that that if if you're trading for Ben Simmons, you want to put him in a role that's not like what he was in Philly. Like you want to see can he be Giannis? Like can he yeah. get to the basket with reckless abandon, with you know playing the other four guys around the perimeter? I think that's what you need to do. And get you to want to be the free. fastest
1: team in the NBA too. That's right. the other thing. You just yeah, want Trent, to get out
0: and break. transition. He's such a ma- like a menace in transition. I love when he just gets a full head of steam and goes to the basket. He,
1: he is so much more graceful in transition than Giannis is. Like, I don't want to deride Giannis because Giannis is incredible in transition too. But Giannis is like a freight train versus Ben Simmons is like a bullet train.
0: And he's such a good finisher. He's a more creative finisher too. Like Giannis is either dunking or getting fouled most of the time. Uh, Simmons, he switches hands. He can use both sides of the rim. Um, Really, really fun player to watch in transition. So I was actually thinking that watching the playoffs, I'm like, he can't shoot. He's gigantic. He's an athletic freak. Like, could he? Could he just be Giannis somewhere? You know, if if given the chance. And that's very hard to do with Embiid on the court, obviously.
1: So let's look at this from Philly's perspective a little bit. We can talk about it with coming to No. Let's say their core is essentially Lillard, Bible, Embiid. Tobias Harris I think I'm forgetting one guy of relative import maybe they have Covington maybe they don't maybe they have um Danny back, maybe they don't do you think that team has a chance against Brooklyn
0: yes 100%
1: I agree I agree I think Brooklyn would be favored as Brooklyn should be against pretty much anybody but I think you'd have a real shot where if your shooters get hot if Embiid just destroys Brooklyn you'd have a real shot
0: and the Sixers offense don't sleep did you think (laughs) See that stat? There's a fifth team to score at least 120 points in six of their first eight games of the okay. postseason. Don't forget. But they played, they played the games, Wizards in the five Washington of those games. The Washington Wizards. Yeah. I love stats. I, That's why I love stats, man. Like you,
1: you can, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to take any offensive stats against the Wizards too seriously. And also just like, let's praise me a little bit for getting Seth Curry Ooh. to the Lakers. Can you think of a better fit than that?
0: That was, I mean, that was my first thought. I was like, you're just yeah. swindling this to try to get the Lakers another championship. I mean...
1: Well, listen, if the Lakers have to give up a first-round pick to make this happen, I would 100% do it. I can't think of a better fit than Seth Curry.
0: First of all, how good has Seth Curry been? I mean, this guy just... He just doesn't miss threes.
1: So, fun fact. I originally proposed this version of this trade, but instead of the Lakers, Seth Curry was going to the Knicks for Obi Toppin, and Knicks fans just lost it. They were like... Why would we trade Obi Toppin? And I'm like, have you guys seen what Seth Curry's been doing? He's crazy. Like,
0: and he and he does like little sneaky stuff. Like, he gets rebounds. He can handle the ball a little bit. Like, uh, I mean, I, I I think he's he's very trustworthy with the ball. Like, there's a lot of shooters who kind of get the ball, and, and if they don't shoot, they kind of freak out. He's not like that at all. He's, uh, I mean, he's been really really fun to watch. I don't, you know, defensively is whatever, but I think he's proven in Philly that if you can. Surround him with good defenders. He's not going to be like a negative.
1: So before we move on, I have two last Philly questions. Number one, if I were to set, offer you, Philly gets Damian Lillard or the field gets Damian Lillard, which would you say is more likely?
0: That's a oh man, that's a good
1: question. I'm going to we'll, go we'll because get... we're going to get to the other team that's kind of a favorite here. But I think Philly should be the favorite.
0: I think. I, I w-
1: I'm gonna
0: say I'm gonna say Philadelphia, just because I think if Lillard wants to leave, he's gonna want to go to a team that is immediately gonna be ready to win a championship. And I mean, we'll get into the other teams, but I think there are very, very few teams that just with the addition of Lillard automatically become a title, like a really strong title contender.
1: Well, here's my second caveat here. Would Philly rather have Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal? Oof. Because you figure. That eventually Washington is going to realize this this thing isn't going anywhere, and they're going to have to. Know, we, we keep
0: saying that though. <laughs> well, he just keeps resigning.
1: Well, he's only resigned. Well, I guess he's resigned twice. He resigned the rookie deal, and then there was the contract after that. But like eventually, let's let's just say they get to a point where they're like, okay, this doesn't work. Do you think that Washington says we want Ben Simmons, or do they say no? We've got Westbrook. We can't get another guy like that.
0: Uh, I mean. They would take him. I mean, it feels like I want out. Uh, you're. I don't know if you're going to do better than Simmons. So. I, I yeah, would... I mean,
1: the only exception would be, like, maybe Denver offers Porter, but I doubt that. So, yeah. if I were Philly, I'd rather have Beal just because he's a little younger. Right. But I, I think Lillard's probably a better fit, right, just because he's more of a, like, I, I guess for lack of a better term, he's more of a point guard.
0: And you also they... have to think about, like, so you say you want Beal because he's younger. He's pretty much the same age as Embiid. But like when you're talking about Embiid, I don't know if his prime is the same as what a normal NBA superstar's prime is just because of the load, the injury history, whatever. I think when you're looking at Embiid, you have to think maybe this is, you know, these next couple of years are going to be as good as it gets. And so, so if you can get a guy like Lillard, who's just at the top of his game, maybe you give that a little more consideration Than as opposed to, uh, I mean, that's if you value Lillard more than Beal. I'm not saying
1: this is a great segue to another team that we want to talk about. Yes, I would argue that this generation's version of Embiid, like the next one coming up, is Zion Williamson, where the Pelicans can't really afford to like wait around and focus on timelines. They've got to do this now because they don't know how his body's going to hold up, you know, how long he's going to be great. Plus. Let's be honest, we've all heard the New York stuff, right? Like, I don't know. I'm just, if I were the Pelicans, I wouldn't be willing to be super patient. I'd be thinking, let's try to build something right now. So I have a one-for-one trade. I'm going to just throw out the name of this podcast, our classic phrase, Colin, who says no, Damian Lillard for Brandon Ingram.
0: That is tough. I think... The Blazers say no just because the Pelicans have that treasure trove of assets. And I think if you can keep stalling and stalling and and saying no and rejecting them and enticing them and milking them to get one of those assets, I think that they could probably do it.
1: Yeah, I, I think Portland knows that if they really did put Lillard out there, they would have so many offers that they wouldn't have to settle. Even if none of those offers are great, I think the PR battle here where, like, they say, oh, if you don't, we have five teams that can come in and top your offer. I think they'd be able to get some other stuff. They'd be able to get some picks and be another young guy, whatever. But I think the base makes sense here, right? Because positionally speaking, anyway, the thing that Portland has lacked forever has been a small forward like Ingram. Now they wanted that guy to play defense, which Ingram, let's say, doesn't very often. But if you were the Blazers and you got Ingram, you could talk yourself into like, okay, we've got a young guy who's kind of ascending and we can keep McCollum and maybe be competitive. And then for the Pelicans, it's like, of Damon Zion? You're set. Like, boom, you're contenders.
0: Yeah. And this is, I think it's important to to note that this isn't a, a, I mean, Damian Lillard has, what, four or five more years left on his contract. So it's not a situation where, like we saw with Anthony Davis, like, hey, if you, if I don't get traded to the Lakers, I'm not re-signing And that kind of deters the other suitors. So Lillard might not necessarily want to go to New Orleans. He might not think they're ready to compete. But, you know, if he's under contract for four or five more seasons, like he doesn't really have a choice. Like the Pelicans are going to take him.
1: Let me counter. I don't think that the Blazers would just send him anywhere. I think that if that situation played out where he requested a trade, I think it would be similar to what the Thunder went through with Russell Westbrook, where it was like, look let's be adults about this. Let's not ruin the relationship. Let's just find a mutually satisfactory deal, which they ultimately did with Houston. I think that's how Portland would approach it. So I think if Lillard said, I do not want to go to new Orleans, they would say, okay, cool. We'll find you somewhere else.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously that's all well and good, but if you're not getting the deal that you want and the Pelicans are suddenly like, Hey, we'll give you two future first along with Brandon Ingram. Like, I don't know if the, uh, the loyalty to Dame is going to supersede that.
1: Well, let me throw something else out there. I actually think that Dame could be talked into this. And here's why the Pelicans have so many assets that if they traded for Lillard, they could theoretically go get somebody else on top of that. Right. Like it could almost be a Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett sort of thing where it's not just we're trading for Lillard. It's we're rebuilding our entire team, cashing in all of our assets. And we're just going to say, Dame, Zion, third guy X, whatever it is. You know, I think they could build a very good team right away. And then, of course, if you're Lillard, you also have to acknowledge you're in your 30s. You don't know how, like, you're probably going to age well because you're a shooter, but you don't know if you're going to be capable of being the best guy on the title team in two, three years. Well, there are very few guys around the league that you can comfortably say they could be that good. Zion is one of them, right? Like, if you're Lillard and you're looking for a young star to hit your wagon to... Number one is Luka, and Luka is not among my seven trades. Like, Dallas isn't among those trades because Dallas doesn't have enough to get him. But if he could get to Luka, I think that would probably be his first choice. Among younger guys, would would Zion be second?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, especially because I was thinking, like, maybe Trey Young or something like that, but that's kind of redundant with Lillard.
1: Yeah, I think maybe Uh, Tatum is the only other guy that I'd probably have above Zion.
0: I don't. I don't even know about that. I that's, just think. Like, I
1: that's mean, awesome.
0: yeah, and the. I mean, the inside outside dynamic of Zion Can and Dane. Can you imagine just,
1: their pick and roll? I
0: mean, come on. <laughs> Forget it. Can about you imagine?
1: It. Well, you know how Dane loves to start his pick and rolls, like basically at half court, like so high up. Imagine if you did that and Zion got a running start to the
0: basket. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be like duck for cover. Just get out of the way, please.
1: Did you ever play the game Borderlands?
0: No, I don't even know what that so is. I'm so one old. One of
1: the characters has a special power where basically she just walks super fast, but like a bunch of lights go on around her, and she can like walk into people and they explode, like or they kill the villains. That's basically what it would be like. It would just be like Zion gets the ball downhill like that, and it's over. He's just gonna score.
0: It's like Super Mario with the star where he starts. Right, exactly.
1: That's what yeah. it would be. That's a much better analogy. and I'm jealous. <laughs> I
0: mean, I like the idea of walking a little more apt for Zion I have a uh, a variation of that it's it's, okay. it's similar so it's uh the Pelicans get Dame and let's throw in Robert Covington because he's every everybody's mm. favorite trade piece uh gives them a little more defense I think probably makes them a little more win now um and then the Blazers get back Ingram Bledsoe who obviously the Pelicans want to get rid of and then To sweeten the deal, Uh, they have a 2022 Lakers first-round pick. I think they would be more than willing to part with that, given the the Lakers' success, so uh, something like that. Who says no?
1: Okay. I still think the Blazers could get a little more. I don't think the Blazers want to take on Eric Bledsoe. I don't think any team does, for that matter. Not that it would be super destructive.
0: I can see them convincing themselves that, like, hey, get him in. You know, it'll help our defense. He's a gritty guy. We'll, We'll turn him around.
1: Can I make a point about bad contracts in general? I think capped out teams tend to be really scared of adding bad contracts, and I want to just say why. What are you losing out by doing this? You're not going to have cap space anyway. Like the Blazers aren't going to have cap space for years as is. If I were them, I'd be kind of eager to take on Bloodstone in this situation. But and that's not the teams thing because owners are cheap.
0: It's 18 million a year, so it's not like like it's not like you know Andrew Wiggins. A, no offense, Wiggins, sorry.
1: How dare you, Sully Andrew oh, Wiggins.
0: Sorry, Monday. I didn't mean this. It was the first time. I will I have I'm you sorry, know. I'm
1: sorry, He is a positive value player that our colleague Brad Botkins wears as a top 50 player in the NBA.
0: I think he's up to like 32 now. I think well, the longer the longer During we go, the play-in I
1: game, didn't he get up to like 13? <laughs> Wasn't there a point where Brad was like, I don't know, like would you rather have Andrew Wiggins or Jalen Brown?
0: It's, it's close at this point, honestly. Who can say? W- w- Wiggins knows his role. Um, but yeah, I just thought that, you know, adding a uh, one, a, a draft incentive for the Blazers and two, having the Pelicans get someone who could uh, help A, replace Ingram and B, help get them more towards a winning now type of situation.
1: Yeah, I think you in general are underestimating the number of picks it would take for Portland to do this. Like, I think almost any version of this trade is going to end with the Blazers getting like two or three firsts. In addition to whatever young guys, but I think we're generally on the, the on the same path here.
0: I think to me Ingram is one as a like is a first. Like because you know what do you that's okay. the type of player you're looking Hypothetical
1: to get. question. You do you cover draft stuff more than I do. What is the lowest pick you would trade Brandon Ingram for right now?
0: In this coming draft?
1: In this coming draft. Lowest.
0: I mean, the top five are generally considered to be future superstars. I'm not in love with Kuminga, so I would probably say four.
1: That seems to be the consensus right now, right? Yeah. Like, that people are starting to fall out of love with Kuminga, and they're starting to really like um, the Florida guy, Scotty Barnes, right?
0: Oh, yeah. He's, but he's not I, – I, I mean, you know, it's the draft, so who the hell knows. But he doesn't seem like – he seems like a, a B. Like, a, he's not going to be your guy. He's going right. to be someone who really helps a winning team um
1: yeah, based on what i've heard about these guys i would rather have the top four over ingram and i think Kuminga's potential is so high that when you factor in the contract i'd rather have Kuminga too. number six i would rather have ingram than number six
0: right yeah i think that's pretty much the the consensus and i so, talked to somebody today who thinks Zaire williams is going to be uh the arguably the best player in the draft so see I, about that.
1: that guy has a long hill to climb but okay <laughs> you know what I like hot takes. And by the way, can I guess that he stayed off the record with that?
0: Oh, no, he's on the record.
1: Oh, so there's there's a name attached.
0: You look at CBSSports.com in the coming weeks, and you might might see
1: that. Teasing is work. All right. right. All right. What's your next trade?
0: My next trade. So um, it's very much in the vein of uh, the Ben Simmons trade. It's a trade that The Blazers want to stay competitive. They want to stay, uh, be able to convince their fan base that they're still trying to win now. Um, The team that he's going to might, depending on how things turn out in the next couple of weeks, might be looking for a change. Um, And that is the Los Angeles Clippers. So I have Lillard to the Clippers for Paul George. And since the Clippers have no draft capital whatsoever... Uh, maybe throw in Terrence Mann, who's essentially, you know, a low first rounder, really second rounder type player.
1: Colin, on this podcast, we have not only talked about Damian Lillard and Paul George playing on the same team, we have now talked about them getting traded for each other. This is their nightmare, right?
0: It's the NBA, man. Modern NBA. Who knows?
1: This is just... can We, we got to get a drop of Kevin Garnett saying anything is possible because that's what the trade market <laughs> is, right? Because that's where we're at. I don't think this is like... I don't think Portland would do this. I'll make that clear. But I don't think this is a super crazy suggestion, right? Like, the Clippers, as we record this, are down 2-0. Maybe they'll come back. As we've discussed, I bet on the Clippers last round to come back, and they did. I will not be making that bet this time. So I think there's a good chance they're out in the second round. I wouldn't think it would be that crazy if Kawhi went to the Clippers and said, like, you guys have to make a big move. I'm not telling you what it is, but you've got to go do something to convince me to stay.
0: And... Kawhi insisted on Paul George coming to the Clippers. Clearly, that I mean, like, like everything comes with the caveat that maybe they come back from 2-0, or whatever. Um, but that it has not worked out thus far the way that Kawhi probably thought it would. Um, there are very few players in the league who you could say, "Hey, Kawhi, we're bringing in X," and Damian Lillard is certainly one of them that Kawhi would get very, very happy and forget all allegiances to Paul George immediately. If they were like, we can bring in Damian Lillard. Uh, the Clippers clearly, clearly need a playmaker, uh, a perimeter ball handler type guy. Uh, playoff Rondo was not, not the answer. He nice got play.
1: DNP'd. <laughs> playoff Rondo, not regular season Rondo, which I was screaming for all of last year. Playoff Rondo got DNP'd.
0: So they clearly need a point guard. Um, I think that would make Kawhi happy. And for the Blazers, again, it's a guy who you know, in theory, helps your defense. Uh, is can take on the either primary or secondary scoring load, whatever you want to call him in McCollum, and you guys are you stay competitive in the West. I mean, you're still, I don't know, you're you're fighting for the the seven eight Play seed in. maybe. Playing. Okay.
1: let me just let's let's do an exercise here. Portland has traded Damian Lillard for Paul George. Great, like that's a trade. Who are they better than the Jazz next year? No. Are they better than the Suns? No. Better than the Lakers.
0: I don't like where this is going.
1: Better than the Clippers. No. I can do this all day. I promise you. <laughs> better than the Warriors.
0: No, no. Better no. than
1: the Mavericks. No. Better than I assume the Pelicans are going to be better. Let's say the Pelicans.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe. I think that's where it starts to at least have some debate.
1: Oh, better than Nuggets. No. No. Forgot about the Nuggets. Um. Well, Jamal Murray's going to potentially
0: better there. than Memphis. No. <laughs> so
1: already. That's eight teams that are better than them before we even count the Pelicans. I got to tell you, I'm not convinced they would make the play in.
0: Are they going to get a new coach? They're going to get Jason Kidd, (laughs) and everything's going to be good.
1: Imagine if they hired Jason Kidd after trading Lillard. Now, I would just say I understand in some markets the idea that we have to stay competitive to be financially viable. Portland is a one-sport market. They love that team so much. I don't know. I just don't see what they really gain out of trading for Paul George if they're giving up Lillard. Like if I were them, I would probably be trying to rebuild or at least like do something where you get Ben Simmons, who's younger and extends your window, but is also a win now kind of player. I don't know. Like if you're going this route and you can't get a player like Simmons, just trade Lillard for a bunch of picks, trade McCollum for a bunch of picks, reset this thing and start over for the next year or two.
0: I do wonder what Paul George would look like, like in a new Scenario, like I, I wonder if all this playoff p pandemic piece. Yeah, can is I just offer you a theory? On him. Yeah.
1: Maybe Paul George just isn't built for super teams, right? Like, cause he was really good in the playoffs when he played for the Pacers. Maybe he kind of just has to be an underdog. Yeah, I mean it's uh,
0: we see it all the time, like you know, it's a situation and scenario and coach and all those things make a difference. And uh, he's just when he's on, he's so freaking good, and he just. I think Doris Burke said it during the last game where you were like uh, the Clippers are have two superstars or supposed to be superstars. And clearly she wasn't talking about Kawhi. So it just sucks that this, this has been this is kind of going to be his legacy unless he has another, you know, either this Clippers team turns it around or he has another kind of leg of his career with someone else. But I mean, he's re, he's. Really, really good. He just has not been great in the playoffs recently.
1: I think he is a candidate for Dwight Howard-like renaissance with an old team. Like, say, later in his career, like after this Clippers contract, the Pacers are really good. I could 100% see him going back and making a big fuss about it. But I think the Clippers panic move, and we've talked about this several times, is Kemba Walker. And now we've seen Serge Ibaka had back surgeries out for the year. The Clippers quietly have a bunch of expiring salary next year. So they could just offer like Serge Ibaka, playoff Rondo going back to the Celtics, and like one other contract for Boston just to get off Kemba. I think that's their panic move.
0: Yeah, I can see that. But I I do think if they had a chance to get Damian Lillard, I do agree. I do agree with you that the Blazers are probably passing it that offer considering the other ones that they'll most likely have on the table if Lillard does demand a trade. Um, But for the Clippers, I mean, obviously, they would love to have a guy like Lillard. What else you got?
1: All right. I've got several more. I'm debating. Do you feel like arguing now or arguing at the end?
0: Uh, let's argue now. I got more steam.
1: All right, man. Let's do this. Golden State Warriors. I am all in on this idea. My trade is Damian Lillard for Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and all of the picks. That's it. That's the all, trade. Of, all of the Just picks. Whatever it takes. Like, you know, I keep forgetting you're not a Marvel guy, right?
0: Well, I wasn't when we started this podcast and then the pandemic happened and we, me and my oh, wife watched the majority of Marvel movies. So. Yeah.
1: So whatever it takes. That's the philosophy of the trade. Whatever it freaking takes. Obviously, as most fans know, Damian Lillard grew up in Oakland, but he's sort of been supplanted in the Bay Area by Stephen Curry, who became a legend in Lillard's home city, sort of like Isaiah Thomas, you know, in Chicago, where Michael Jordan became a legend in his city. I personally think that the Lillard-Curry backcourt would work perfectly together because we're seeing this in Brooklyn right now where the the Nets have James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Who cares about defense? All you have to do is score enough points that the other team can't possibly catch up. If you have Curry, Lillard, Clay, and Draymond, that's it. You're fine. So
0: when Sam first approached me with this trade— uh, truth be told, he did mention it before the podcast. Uh, I immediately yeah, thought, we
1: planned this show out
0: as as he's tried to do before. I immediately thought he was trying to trade Clay Thompson. I was like, how dare you! Just don't even think about it. Then he tries to tell me that the Golden State Warriors are going to acquire Damian Lillard and they're going to keep Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green as well. Like,
1: okay, yes, of course, On my counter, of course. <laughs> Here's my counter. Who can top the number two overall pick last year? I'm going to say a pick between six and eight this year and all of their own picks. And we've talked about this on the show before. I would really be trying to get late stage warriors picks. If you can get a warriors pick in 26 or 27 or 28, when Curry and Draymond and clay and Lillard would age out, that pick is really valuable. So if you're rebuilding, who's offering more than that?
0: Okay. Well, that's an important distinction to make. First of all, uh, it's not the number two pick in last year's draft. It's James Wiseman. So we need to keep that in mind.
1: Okay. That, here's my counter. What were we calling DeAndre Ayton before this postseason? We were con- Oh, oh, they should have picked Luca. Oh, they should have picked you know Trey Young. They should have done this. They should have done that. DeAndre Ayton looks pretty darn good right now, doesn't he? They,
0: they still should have picked Luca or Trey Young. They still should have. That, that's that's beside the point.
1: Yeah. My point is. If you could trade for DeAndre Ayton right now, that seems a lot more attractive than it would have a couple years ago, right?
0: Right, yeah. but you're you're trading for James Wiseman right now, not after an incredible playoff run.
1: My point is, Ayton can be kind of a blueprint here. That's all I'm saying, is you're well, taking up I mean, a talented well, kid, and you're putting him in a no-pressure situation.
0: Right, and what you're saying is Portland is blowing it up. They're like, screw this. We're going to trade and call get after this, Right, so. we're going to do whatever we need to do. We're, we're going full Houston Rockets. Uh, we're going to let Wiseman do whatever he wants. We're going to take the seventh pick and 14th pick and whatever the Warriors have in the future and just bottom out. And that is a bold strategy. It's not one that I think Portland is interested in doing, particularly if they have someone like Lillard who they could get an established young star for. Um, The Warriors, obviously, I'm incredibly intrigued and would love to watch those guys on the court together uh, to see yeah, what that looks
1: home, like. Yeah, coming home, montage ready.
0: Yeah. Um, oh,
1: man, could you imagine? That montage would be 11 minutes long.
0: The I, I tell are you, there, there, are, there are several Bay Area writers who I have you know, f- talked to at Warriors games who would absolutely love Damian Lillard in the Bay Area. Let's just put it that way.
1: Well, let's look at this a little bit from Portland side, and I just want to throw something out there to you. Remember... We were talking about James Harden trades while he was still in Houston, and we were saying the Nets don't have enough. Houston's not going to want their picks. They're going to want Ben Simmons. Well, what happened? Houston was offered Ben Simmons, and they took Brooklyn's picks. Why wouldn't Portland go down the same road?
0: And, you, I mean, as we've discussed, if Lillard's like, I want to go to Golden State, and they can put this package on the table with Wiseman and, as you say, all the picks— I mean, if you want to do right by your superstar and you get that in return, not the craziest thing in the world.
1: Well, let's talk about how it would actually work on the court. It, do you think they would be good enough to beat the Nets? Yes. That's the question. Well, I
0: mean, obviously the caveat is what does Clay look like. But I think even if he's just glorified Joe Harris, I think they have enough to compete
1: well, the real question, ironically, is I don't necessarily think it's the Nets that would have to worry about. I think it's the Lakers. Because if you've given up everything and all of a sudden you're going up against Anthony Davis with, like, I guess Draymond at center, that's kind of an issue.
0: Maybe, but most likely Anthony Davis is going to be on the shelf, so well, <laughs> it doesn't really matter.
1: The term you're looking for is street clothes, Colin?
0: On the, sh- uh, the sh- Like, elf on a shelf? Is that not a- <laughs> no,
1: uh, my point is... I think it would be one of those situations where they would be right in the picture. It would just be a matchup thing. I think the Lakers would cause problems for them depending on what else they do this off season. But I think if the whole goal is let's put it, let's put a team together that can score with Brooklyn Lillard and Curry does that. And you know what? If your defense is a problem, so is theirs. And by the way, you have Draymond and they don't like that starts your defense at a really good place.
0: I think, Yes, I watched Draymond Green defend Anthony Davis in that playing game, and that was a thing of beauty. If you add, it's just—I mean, I guess it's—it's also a conversation of like what direction the NBA is going. Like, I think I'm assume you've gotten this question a ton over the last year. Like, is is, does Brooklyn play good enough defense to win an NBA title? And the question is, does it really matter? Like, they—I think they've played better defensively than most people expected heading into the playoffs, not everybody, but most people. Um, But even if they didn't, I think that the way that the NBA currently is structured, I I think having an offense that's that potent is almost, it it almost doesn't matter how great your defense is. You have to be competent. You have to be smart, which obviously the Warriors would be. But I think with that offense, even going against a team like the Lakers, unless they get some infusion of, of offense, I think it would be really hard to keep up with the Warriors, even as good defensively as the Lakers are.
1: The Lakers would have to come up with something. And by the way, like I've been saying all offseason, their move is throw everything at Portland for McCollum. McCollum is the perfect fit for the Lakers, but obviously I, I we don't know what they're going to do with McCollum, especially if they keep or trade Willard for that matter. So I don't know if the Lakers could score enough with that team. The other thing that I'm kind of interested in here is what his – golden state's biggest issue been dating back to when they were winning championships. It's that even when they had Durant, when Curry went to the bench, the offense died. I can't imagine a better bench point guard than Damian Lillard.
0: Oh my God. So like,
1: here's what you're doing. You're running, you have your starters, obviously you have all four of those guys together. Then you have the first bench unit, which is Steph Draymond. And I don't know, whatever minimum shooters you can get. And then your second bench unit is Damian Lillard and Clay Thompson. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i I think the uh the whole bob myers hey we need to get veterans we need depth i think that would go right out the window if they got damian lillard they'd be like we can put anybody on this team with them
1: you use the room mid-level and you sign up either another shooter or another center if wadala comes back for the minimum like yeah you're they're gonna be fine
0: and and they become a they become another destination for minimum guys
1: my last question does lillard get to be a splash brother is that how this works
0: Wow. Was it the splash? What is Durant? the Durant? Is
1: Durant a cousin? Is he an uncle? How did this work? Like, Durant, where is no. the Man?
0: <laughs> Bay Area would never accept Durant into any sort of nicknames, groupings, anything like that. They're just going to pretend that those years were just an extension of that first Warriors championship team. Durant never happened.
1: Okay. Well, they, they would count Lillard, right? Like, they would welcome him oh, yeah. in arms.
0: There would be, E-40, be no question. e 40 would, would no be at half court presenting him with, like, a jacket like riding out in a low rider, even though they're in San Francisco now. But
1: It would be really complicated for him because they'd retire his jersey before his first game, but what would he wear?
0: That's true. He would have to switch to... I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think he did wear zero in high school. Oh, I was going
1: to say, let him wear 35. That would be the best.
0: <laughs> Curry would probably give him like 30 and just be like, yeah, go for it, man. I'll, I'll wear something else.
1: Well, you watch Game of Zones, right? No. Oh, well... This joke's gonna go over your head. There's a there's a triple Dirks joke, but that's my thought is just have Clay and Steph and Dame all wear 30. Triple that's stash.
0: Cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that would be uh, you got me excited with that one because I, I I immediately thought, immediately thought you were gonna go for the Clay trade, but
1: yeah, well no, but why, first of all, can you just I, I've honestly forgotten what did I try to trade Clay for last time?
0: I don't remember. Is it Kemba?
1: No, it wasn't Kemba. I was never saying Kemba to the um, I was trying to throw you under the bus. It wasn't Harden. It was past Harden. It was – honestly, I can't even – was it Beal? No, it wasn't.
0: I feel like it was recent. I don't know. It
1: was pretty recent. I just don't remember what it was. Um, oh, it was the Clippers. It was Paul George.
0: Paul George. There you go. Which
1: I stand by. is made sense for both teams. Anyway, um, the other sort of favored destination, the one that people talk a lot about, is the New York Knicks. I personally am not super interested unless R.J. Barrett is not in the deal. My personal <laughs> feeling is, well, can I explain this to you?
0: Well, I just think it's funny. that I don't, You don't hear that a lot. Like, hey, we want to trade for Damian Lillard. But look, here's the thing. You can't give us R.J. Barrett.
1: <laughs> well, let me just ask you this. If the Knicks just have Lillard and Randall and, like, a bunch of cap space that they couldn't really use in a bad offseason, like, what are they really?
0: Yeah. I, like, I, mean, I don't I, like I don't like the trading Knicks. For Lillard at all. At that point. What? I think it, I think if Lillard wants to go to a contender, the Knicks ain't it. But
1: No, I, I personally agree. I'm just saying the Knicks are the team that's gonna come up because it's a big market, because they have assets. But if I'm the Knicks, like I don't wanna just have Lillard, Randall, and like your cap space. I guess maybe you hold on to the space and try to sign somebody next year. I don't my point is if I were the Knicks, if I were gonna go the Lillard route, I would need Barrett on the team as sort of the upside. Like, we have two stars now, but Barrett could maybe become our third guy down the line. And then at that point, we we might have enough. But here's here's what I'm going to throw out there to you. I have a trade that I like that's sort of a total reconstruction of the Knicks. It's a three-team trade that involves a sign and trade. Damian Lillard is going to uh, the Knicks along... Oh, no, sorry, I was misreading this. But Damian Lillard goes to the Knicks. The Blazers get four first-round picks from the Knicks. They get both of theirs this year. They get the 2023 pick from Dallas, and they get New York's unprotected 2027 pick. In addition, they get Obi Toppin. The Knicks, after getting Lillard, well, what would they need, right? They would need kind of a 3-and-D guard, maybe somebody who could come in and help their bench units, you know, somebody who could fit in, but also accept those bright lights. So I'm turning around, and with the remainder of my cap space after this trade, I am signing and trading for Lonzo Ball. What do you think?
0: Lonzo, Lillard,
1: I have the top seven in front of me. You would start Lillard, Lonzo, Barrett, Randall, Mitchell Robinson, and then your top guys off the bench. You keep Emmanuel quickly, obviously. And then I'm presuming you find some way to keep New Noel. Maybe it's the room mid-level. Maybe you trade Kevin Knox to clear out some extra space. But my assumption is that's your top seven.
0: I didn't hear Alec Burks's name in there for what it's worth um
1: well, he had to die for our sins. <laughs> um
0: i don't I think Portland says no i just I don't.
1: What okay. if they got a manual quickly too?
0: Even then, I mean, based on the other things that we've talked about, like I would take Golden States package over that.
1: okay, I would five certainly
0: first take Brandon Ingram over that.
1: What about five first round picks, Stalin? What's the number? You just have plenty.
0: It always comes back to the same thing, and it's really a difference in philosophy between the both of us, where you are much more willing to blow it up and start from front, you know, rebuild, and if I get a chance to get a young player who I think can still help me win while I'm rebuilding, I'm going to generally go for that. I I just, these picks are, I don't know. I want
1: to argue with you on on your philosophy here. I think, I want to battle for the soul of this podcast. The most important thing you get when you trade a star is not what you get in the trade. It's the increased value of your own first-round pick. I would argue that when the Pelicans traded Chris Paul, they got a mostly terrible return, right? It was Eric Gordon, Al Kaminu, some first-round pick that didn't amount to what I think was Austin Rivers. Oh, but they, they were so bad as a team that they got Anthony Davis out of that. I would argue if you're staying good after training a superstar, you're missing the point most of the time.
0: And I would argue that you're ignoring the fact that these teams are trying to sell tickets and that they have pride and want to be good and win. Okay, <laughs> I think that's is just stupid. like a general What do they
1: thing. say? Pride cometh before the fall? But it's
0: I mean, since. look, how many teams win the title every year? One. How many teams that do not win the title though. every year? 29. But right? that should be
1: your you shouldn't be. You shouldn't accept mediocrity just because mediocrity is the likeliest outcome.
0: It's not that you're accepting it, it's that you're you're it's a means to an end. And you think it's a it's a shorter road if you have Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram or Paul George to getting back to title contention because you're one move away or whatever, or one injury it's away, but whatever the road, case. But Would you as opposed to being the Rockets where you have to wait for seven years for all these picks to come in and hopefully one of them is as good as the guy that you traded.
1: Would you rather run one city block that was on fire or 1 mile that was just empty and vacant?
0: I'm not I'm not participating in this thought There's
1: I'm it. saying it, you'd rather <laughs> run the vacant mile. You'd rather have lots of runway ahead of you.
0: We'll see. And I by mean, way, look. You have
1: optionality I, at that point too. If I understand. you go the we're going to stay mediocre path, that's it. That's what you are. I
0: understand that tanking is a, a means to an end. It's a way to get a potential franchise changing superstar. I just think even after you get that star, so many things have to go right because you're starting from such a low place that even if that star comes in and he's Luka Doncic, you need to do so many things around him to finally get that team to win a championship that I think you're you're in I mean I won't say it's the same boat, but you're You're in a place that that if you got a star now, that you would just kind of end up being in the same mediocre place. Does that make sense?
1: Okay, two counterpoints to that. Yes, you have a lot of stuff in front of you. But if you're going into a full-scale tank, you get a lot of bites at the apple. You're going to get several lottery picks where you have a chance to make this right. You're presumably going to have a lot of cap space that you can use. Like, My point is, yes, there's a lot that you have to do, but you have a lot of opportunities to do those things. And my other counterpoint here is how do the Spurs feel about trading Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan right now? Like, where has this gone well, is my point.
0: I hear you. I just, where has it, where has the rebuild gone well?
1: Philly. How many titles have they won? How many
0: titles have they won?
1: Okay, but my point is they're in the conversation. The Spurs are not.
0: They made a bad trade. Let's be honest.
1: Well, they made a bad <laughs> trade, but I think it wasn't a bad trade necessarily just because of the players. It was oh, a bad trade because it was bad process.
0: We can talk about this at another time. We argue about this every podcast. But the Sixers did the process and tanked to the point works. that maybe no other team will do it. And they still haven't won a title. So that's all I'm saying.
1: Okay, but my point is— And you're talking
0: about trading one of the players that they got in the process.
1: In the conversation. That's my whole point. Anyway, back to the next. I think the only real scenarios where trading for Lillard makes sense are, A, you can do it while keeping Barrett so you have more upside internally, or B, you're doing it in a situation where you're getting somebody else. Like We've talked about this before. If Kawhi Leonard says, I will come to the Knicks if you trade for Damian Lillard, so long, RJ. It's been a fun two years. It's a
0: good point. And that's definitely something that you have to consider when we're talking about all these trades is what's the next move once they get Lillard, like, or, you know, can they do it? Most of them can, but I think that's something you need to keep in mind. It's like, it's like you said with the, you know, the team that trades the superstar, their draft picks become more valuable. It's like, when you get the superstar suddenly you are a much more attractive destination for whether it's a free agent or whether you can package your picks for somebody uh, in a trade. So.
1: Well, the goal is you got to have three, that's it, right? Like you have to have three guys. And if you can make this trade and you only have two, they better, the second one better be LeBron or it better be you know, somebody in that, in that group. Otherwise, you just have to ask yourself, is it worth giving all this up to be a second-round team? I think that's a good segue into my next team on this list. And this trade, I'm building it pretty similarly to the Houston-Brooklyn-James-Harden trade because the truth is this team doesn't have that much else to trade. The Boston Celtics, they are going to trade Kemba Walker, Time Lord Robert Williams, Peyton Pritchard, and the Brooklyn package of picks. So four firsts, three swaps, all unprotected for Damian Lillard.
0: Jeez. That's
1: I a- personally, if I were the Celtics, I would not do this. But I think it's worth talking about.
0: I, I, I mean, I would have to take a closer look at those picks. But just the idea of getting Kemba Walker does nothing for me, obviously, if I'm yeah, a Blazers. Yeah, that's just
1: matching salary. Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the Celtics say no, but...
1: I think Portland says no, too, by the way, because as we've talked about, you don't want the picks from the team that has Tatum and Brown. <laughs> right. So, I mean, personally, the real reason I bring this up, it's not because I think they should trade for Lillard so much as I think they should be in the mindset that if there is somebody out there that's in the right age range for for Brown and Tatum that would fit with them on the court. Like if Bradley Beal, if you could make this trade for Bradley Beal, I think you should do it.
0: That's interesting. I just, I, I mean, Lillard, Tatum, and Brown, like, it's gonna be hard to say no to that. But that's a lot. But of, that's, I I, it's just
1: the age is what really throws me off. If yeah. I'm doing this, I'm doing it for somebody that I assume will be around for a long time. And that's the other reason I prefer Beal. He and Tatum are very close. They both have St. Louis roots. So that would be my thought: is you do that and you have this team for at least five years. For Lillard, a, like he'll be under contract, but he's going to get older.
0: Do you think a team needs like a number one? Is that like a thing of the past?
1: So I, I've been thinking about this a lot actually, because earlier in the season, I said that Donovan Mitchell was not a number one. And basically, what Donovan Mitchell is doing right now is kind of proving that wrong. But I don't necessarily know that it's because he's a top five player in the league all of a sudden. I think the bar is just kind of getting lower if you have enough shooting around them. And yeah, if you are one of the few teams with a defense that really matters, that that counts too, right? Like, I don't know if Utah can beat Brooklyn. I think there's a decent chance. Like, I think there's—if Utah and Brooklyn played at full strength, I think I'd give Utah a 30% chance, like a meaningful puncher's chance. But that's mostly because the rest of that team is constructed so perfectly, not because I think Donovan Mitchell is the best player in the NBA.
0: And it's also, like, like the other side of the question is, like, if you have the three— like say you have Lillard, Tatum, and Brown. Like, does it matter that like Tatum needs the ball in his hands, Lillard needs the ball in his hands? Like, or is what we're seeing with Brooklyn? I think Brooklyn where it just, is. It just doesn't. That. It just doesn't matter.
1: I think as long as you're basically willing to let three players monopolize possessions, I think you're going to be fine. Now you need one of those stars to be like Durant, where like you really think about it, Kevin Durant does not touch the ball that much, at least relative to what players of his stature normally do. So you need, there needs to be some degree of sacrifice. I don't think you could have say LeBron James, Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving on a team. Like, I think that's a bit much. Mm. You'd have to have somebody who's more comfortable off of the ball, but I don't know. Like, I I think this idea of too many mouths to feed, I don't think that really means much anymore.
0: So do you think that, that, I guess just getting more specific, do you think Lillard and Tatum could coexist and thrive?
1: Yeah, I think that'd be fine. You stagger them, obviously. Um, I think either one of them in the clutch, you kind of just play the match up there, right? And honestly, the other thing is, you could run a lot of Lillard, Tatum, pick and roll. Like, imagine you close with Tatum at center, and you, teams would be like, can we switch this? What do we do? Like, do we try to blitz it and try to hope that Tatum can't make the right pass in the short roll? Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of interesting things you could do there. My point is, I think it works fine. I think in general, though, Something that's worth talking about is, I'm just going to go back to Zion for a second. There's a difference between getting stars that can work versus getting stars that actively complement each other. Like, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis are a great example of this. They make each other better with the way that they play versus, let's say, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It's more that they don't get in each other's way. So I think that's something to consider here, where maybe you look at a team and you say, they might not have enough talent, but the talent would coexist in a much more harmonious way.
0: Right. It's like the old, like, you know, are they working with each other or is it just like your turn, my turn type of thing? And but we've seen both work. So.
1: Well, it depends on the talent, right? Like the Warriors, like Steph and KD didn't really have that many actions together, at least compared no. to what we thought. We thought that the Steph Durant pick and roll was going to like revolutionize basketball. It turns out Kevin Durant refuses to set screens. Like <laughs> that would been important to know coming in.
0: But they keep running into his, his knees because he's so damn tall.
1: I mean, the, don't get me wrong, Kevin Durant slipping screens is still really effective, and it's sort of the ultimate switchbuster, but the point is, like, if you have enough talent like Golden State did, I think you're fine.
0: Then the Celtics would be close to that. Do you have uh, any other traits? You, you had, like, I seven, well, I 75.
1: I have two more. I hate that we have to talk about this team, but we have to mention the E. Do you want Tyler Herro right now? Like, is no. that exciting you? No. No. You want Duncan Robinson? Like, I'd, I'd like to have Duncan Robinson on my team. Would I trade Damian Lillard for him? No. Yeah, no. So there's nothing there. There's nothing worth...
0: I don't, I mean, I don't know.
1: Heat fans are going to go crazy if we say, like, oh, they just don't have enough. Well, they don't. Get,
0: again, it's the same. It's like, if if Dame is like, I'm going to the Heat, that's it. But again, with that many years on his contract, he doesn't really have leverage. So.
1: Well, also, if, if we're going that route, he should go to Dallas, right? Like, if he's just saying... I am trying to force my way to a team or a teammate that gives me the best chance of winning the title. He should go to Luca. Can we game this out for a second, by the way? Do we think Lillard would like really do like what Harden did and really try to get somewhere specific?
0: I think so. I think that's kind of the new blueprint, right? Like well, the if last...
1: that's the case, there's an elephant in the room that we haven't mentioned. What's that? purple and gold elephant called the los angeles Lakers.
0: <laughs> i thought you said it was impossible
1: well no it is impossible in theory they don't have enough to trade for him but if he says i only want to go to the lakers i will ruin any other trade we have to mention that right yeah but
0: if they can't get him <laughs> he's, not, well, he's not
1: we didn't idiot. think that brooklyn could get Harden.
0: yeah i guess there's always something you could do right
1: my point is i guess with each of these star moves we kind of have to reevaluate what we think is possible because each one is more ridiculous than the last.
0: And it's true. And it, and it's like you ask, do you think you would pick a specific team and hold out for it? And I think that's what that's what we're at now. Like, if you're demanding a trade, it's because you want to win a title. And if you want to win a title, you've got at least one team in mind, possibly two or three. But, you know, I, I don't think... I, well... It's like I was going to say I don't think Dame would want to go play with LeBron but I mean that I guess all that's kind of out the window at this point like teaming up with with, with other great went, players is just an ine- inevitability.
1: If he was going to go somewhere specific, do you think it's likelier that he'd force his way to LeBron or that he'd force his way to Golden State?
0: Factoring in that he's from Oakland, I would say that that's right. probably Golden State. Um right. that's it right. also just like like the reason Kevin Durant went there besides hey we're going to win a gajillion titles was he you know he said a million times that he just wanted to see like what playing with players like that would would unlock in him and what level of basketball they could get to and i think that that is much more exciting in a place like golden state even though the lakers have anthony davis and lebron james i think they've proven over the last couple of years that they play a style of basketball that isn't Exciting necessarily. I mean, when LeBron's doing his thing and AD's great, that's that's fine, but it's not it's not the warrior. So I think I think but that's a little more appealing.
1: What I would counter with is that what are the two things that Dame has really never had on his team? The first is like a big wing ball handler, like somebody who would really ease his ball handling load. And the second is like a really great athletic lob threat. Well, LeBron is the best big wing ball handler in NBA history. And and Anthony Davis is the best lob finisher in NBA history. So if you think about the things that he hasn't had, I think the Lakers kind of fit it better than any other team. I
0: agree. And I think that coming from a team that just had the second highest offensive rating in the history of the NBA, maybe he's done with that. (laughs) He's like, you know what? Yeah. I've been on teams that can score a bunch, but let's try something different.
1: So the last trade that I have, and we're just going to, for now, it's right off Miami. Like, look, it's the Heat. Stuff <sighs> happens. I guess, like, they could unprotect that 2023 pick there to the Thunder so they could give up some future picks. But I don't know. I'm just not super into that. I guess Dame, Butler, and Bam would be super fun. I don't know. I just I don't think Portland should trade for Tyler Hurrow. We agree, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And would the Heat give up Bam for Lillard?
0: No. no. I, mean, I, I mean, they might, but then you're like, then what are you?
1: Would the Heat give up Bam for Lillard and CJ?
0: Whoa. And then you
1: would have Lillard, CJ, and Jimmy.
0: That's uh, interesting. Bam. Bam's so good.
1: I, I would think about that,
0: though. Bam's so good. And he's getting better. I think that's what you have to look at, too.
1: Yeah, I, I just... I think that's kind of a non-starter. I don't think Bam's going anywhere. Yeah. The last one, and I don't think this is realistic, either. I just... I think about the way a lot of these negotiations go, where, like, With Paul George, we kept saying, oh, he's going to the Lakers. Oh, he's going to the Lakers. Wait, the Thunder? You know, like, oh, Kawhi's going to the Lakers. Oh, he's the Raptor. There's always a surprise team that kind of pushes its way in. I'm going to throw out a surprise team. I don't think they would be that good. Like, I don't think this would be worthwhile. What about the Chicago Bulls? What about Patrick Williams, Kobe White, a first-round pick, and matching salary in Alfred Camino and Tomas Adoransky for Lillard, and then the Bulls would have Lillard, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and Thad Young is their top four.
0: I think the Blazers hang up the phone so quickly that it might break.
1: Well, it would have to be a situation where, like, we all called the, the Pacers crazy when they traded Paul George for Sabonis and Oladipo, but then Sabonis and Oladipo both turned out to be All-Stars. It would have to be a situation like that, where, like, the Blazers see something in Patrick Williams that maybe... Right. We don't, or they see something in Kobe White that maybe we don't... It would have to be something like that.
0: Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. Patrick Williams is, I mean... It's
1: he's the gonna, apple of your eye.
0: He's going to be really good. Like, he doesn't. He didn't get a, real, a lot of opportunity with the Bulls. But if he, I, I think he's going to be really good. So I, I could definitely see teams falling in love with that and saying, like, you know, like I've mentioned earlier on this podcast, and people say a lot, it's like hey, what's the point of getting eight first-round picks if none of them are going to be as good as Patrick Williams? So I can see them convincing themselves, but I think they would still need a lot more for Damian Lillard.
1: If it's not the Bulls, let's just work through this a little bit. Who is the surprise team that enters the fray here?
0: Let me see. Um,
1: I could throw out one other one. I just I don't think it really makes sense. What about Toronto?
0: I actually looked at them when I was looking at trades.
1: I think this is another one where, like, if Kawhi says, I'll come back if you trade for Lillard, then it's like, okay, buy Fred Van Vliet, buy OG Ananobi. Like, if you have a real reason, like a we are championship contenders right now reason, then you do it. Otherwise, I just don't think it really makes much sense for either side.
0: Yeah, I was thinking maybe, like, maybe the Wizards or somebody, like, something crazy like that, where they, like, trade Westbrook and, like, a bunch of picks. Who wants Westbrook, like. though? Well, that's what I'm saying. That it would just be, like, yeah. the salary. Like, they would add, like, a bunch of stuff.
1: Westbrook and McCollum would be a little fun. I mean, it wouldn't go anywhere. But
0: it'd and be again, a like, this is what I'm talking Like, they could convince their fans, hey, we got Russell Westbrook. Look at all these triple-doubles. We're still trying to win. Like, you know, that kind of they
1: thing. They shouldn't but. do this, but doesn't it scream Dan Gilbert trade for Damian Lillard? Like, doesn't that scream... He's got a bunch of years left under contract. Like, let's trade Kevin Love's salary, Colin Sexton, and some first-round picks. And, like, let's just be decent for a little while. Like, doesn't that seem like something Dan Gilbert would do?
0: It is, I mean, it is a very unique situation because Lillard does seem capable of taking any team and making them at least a in team.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know? It's like the the Blazers had, what, like a negative point differential this year and they're still, like, the sixth seed? So it's like... I mean, I I could see a a team convincing themselves, like, hey, no matter what we do, if we get Dame, we're going to be okay and get back in the playoffs. Lamella
1: Ball, Damian Lillard, and Gordon Hayward? That'd be fun as hell.
0: It would be. Sacramento?
1: So, like, Halliburton plus picks? Oh, they can't trade Tyrese Halliburton. I think when we've gotten to a point where, like, you're saying we can't trade Tyrese Halliburton.
0: It's time to hang it up.
1: It's <laughs> just like, okay, like we respect that. We're just not making the trade. What about Memphis?
0: I lo- yeah, I looked at them. I just thought about him and Jaw together, and I was like, meh.
1: I don't like. I hate to say this. I really don't want to trade Dylan Brooks right now. Well, <laughs> I know that's never, ridiculous. No, it's, but it's
0: not. Don't. It's not ridiculous because he's in a, a really weird spot where, like, he's he was so. In, not inconsistent in effort, but inconsistent in productivity all year long.
1: I felt and like it, he really in figured the, it out the last couple.
0: In of years. the playoffs, he turned into freaking Dwayne Wade.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't. I kind of. I just want to see how that goes. I, I don't. I'm not breaking up Brooks and. Uh, yeah, Brand,
0: and their like their timeline is so far behind Dame. So.
1: I mean, San Antonio. We've been saying like they have all these interesting young players. They just need a starter to revolve around. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's enough to win the title, but I think the Spurs could talk themselves into that.
0: Yeah. Kind of in the same vein as the Spurs, the Pacers, they seem like they're just yeah. going to do something crazy. So they could trade Turner well, and Brogdon or something like that.
1: The Pacers are like the kid who grew up in like a super small town, like super, like, you know, like strict parents, didn't have any fun. And then their first weekend of college, they just go off the rails. I feel like that could be the Pacers' last season. Like, I think the Pacers could trade four of their five starters, and I wouldn't be surprised.
0: That it was seems literally like they're
1: ump to something.
0: That was literally like my first month at Yale, was like watching yeah. these kids who did nothing but study in high school just lose their minds and drink yeah. beer.
1: As an athlete, I feel like you'd kind of be the king of that group right away, because like, you've had some fun already.
0: You know, I actually didn't, I didn't drink in high school, and I didn't drink until, i made it until uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend. Of my freshman year, before I drank alcohol. You didn't
1: have your first drink until Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I mean, you know, I'd had
0: the sips of beer, and I would, I would take. Okay, Cancun. first <laughs> of
1: all, fun fact to those listening: you're at over an hour in at this point, so I think we can say this. Oh, well, well, Colin has been hour. drinking scotch this entire time.
0: Not the entire time. I ran out about halfway through.
1: <laughs> That's a great sign. My co-host just run out of scotch. <laughs>
0: I actually thought about bringing the bottle in earlier. I'm like, that's probably a bad idea. What
1: are you um, like a '30s detective? Like you're sitting at work and just chugging a belt yeah, of Scotch,
0: combing through the trade machine. Like, ah, it's <laughs> not like it used to be. Think uh, this
1: date kid could really help out like
0: Denver? Like, <laughs> yeah. Once I opened the floodgates to alcohol, so to speak, uh, they did not stop. But yeah, I made it all the way to to um, Thanksgiving weekend. It was Yale Harbor weekend, my first one. I was like, hey guys, I want to drink tonight. I had, like, two shots of vodka, and I was, like, slurring my speech. You're like, oh, my God. what's It was just, like, the God, classic obnoxious drunk.
1: What was my first time drunk. really drunk? Um, homecoming junior year of high school, I ended up pre-gaming with the valedictorian for my – or maybe the salutatorian, one of the, like, really, really good students. And we went, and he just kind of went off the rails. And I remember, like, getting him in a cab home, and he shows up at his house. And, like, two minutes later, his dad calls me, and he's like, Sam, I need to know what happened right now. And it was, like, the scariest phone call I've ever been on.
0: That's terrifying.
1: It is. Especially because his dad was, like, like a scary dude. Like, this was not, like, you know, the nerd. Like, this was a very, like, big and fit family that also happened to be very smart. So I was definitely very intimidated, and I'm glad I haven't run into that guy since.
0: Yeah. Was this when you were in New York or Florida? No, this was Miami. Oh, yeah. Because I was going to say, did, being, yeah. being in L.A. made it tough. Like as for someone like me, because I was like, I was a very cautious teenager and like the whole driving aspect of yeah. everything made me just like never want to even come close to drinking. And then you go to college and it's just like, oh, I don't have to drive anywhere. You just walk so, three steps and be in my dorm.
1: I was a little fortunate. My sister, I, I love her dearly, was not a great kid growing up. She got into a lot of trouble and my parents were so worn out with dealing with that that me comparatively... I was never going to do any of the stuff that she did. So my parents' attitude was kind of like, look, Sam, like, just be cool. Okay. Like go ahead and just don't do anything stupid. So my junior and senior year, my dad had, my, my parents are still together, but my dad had moved to California for work. So I was living with my mom and my mom just like, didn't really have the energy or like the time to make sure I was doing anything too crazy. So her attitude was just like, as long as you don't drive, you're good. So I remember I came home one day just stoned out of my mind and I'm going through the fridge and I'm looking for a snack and she just kind of without, she walks into the kitchen without even looking at me. She goes, you're stoned, right? And I'm like, yep. Like, okay, <laughs>
0: cool. You had the cool mom.
1: I did. My room, my, my bedroom was where we, we, first of all, I don't know how much I should be getting into this, but whatever.
0: I say we've reached the therapy best in portion high school, of the podcast.
1: <laughs> my best friend in high school and I, this is when we just started gambling, which I have not stopped since. On Martin Luther King Day, we went on the gambling streak of our lives because there are basketball games all day. And I think we won like a hundred dollar bet in each slot. So we went out, we bought the most expensive vape that you could find. It was called the Silver Surfer. I don't know if they still make it. So my room, my bedroom, sort of became like the unofficial spot where like stoners would just kind of come through. It's like if you offered a tribute of a dime bag, you could use the Silver Surfer. So that was my whole situation, second semester, senior year. I had a very raging case of senioritis to the point where on my report card, a teacher that I really liked for the third quarter, his comment was, I really wish Sam would be a student again for the rest of the year. So, (laughs) yeah, I I don't know how much of this I should say, but you know what? That's hilarious. Yeah, at this point. If you're still listening at this point, just God bless you.
0: I know. You're just – these are our diehard listeners. But, yeah, yeah it's – uh, I think my parents thought I was a stoner based on my friends because they all smoked weed, but I never did in high school. Yeah, so. and the
1: whole, whole thing was I never drove. We always had a designated driver, and I never did anything worse than weed. So, I'm like, it's fine.
0: Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Anyway, you know, the the Blazers would probably have to be stoned to trade Damian Lillard. Oh, time.
1: your segue – your segue game tonight. I don't know if it's the Scotch. All those you were drinking at dinner. At it, your at segue it, yeah. is on point.
0: Yeah, we didn't even talk about the fact that I went to dinner with other human beings tonight. We'll save that for another podcast. I think podcast. an we're hour talking. and a half in is, uh, is enough. All right. Well, I think we've exhausted all of the Damian Lillard possible trades. Uh, I think we've talked enough about that for something that probably won't even happen. But uh, Sam, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on and, and you overachieving and doing your homework. Uh, anything to add on Buzz the floor before we go.
1: podcasting drunk
0: Buzz is not drunk everyone knows that okay yeah um we will do this again soon hopefully uh it will go another hour and a half because this was a pleasure uh sam look forward to the next time
1: go like go subscribe go review go do whatever it is you need to do to get people to listen
0: i had one job and that was to say that stuff and yeah. i didn't do it so thank you for saving me the we'll talk to you next time